0: Once again, is Trent Condon from the Lockdown Iowa podcast? Thanks for joining us again.
1: Yeah, good seeing you again, Mike, and excited to uh, talk about this battle between, well, two teams. How about that?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I was been continuously setting the record for the lowest total each week the last few weeks, and uh, they've we've reset the record this week. I think the total is currently sitting at twenty eight, the lowest total since at least two thousand for a college football. FBS college football game, I should say. Um, let's talk about your season up to now. I know the, the fans last year were calling for Brian Ferentz's head. They finally kind of got their wish. He's going to ride it out the rest of the season. But you guys have a very similar playbook to last year. You have an elite defense and uh, the opposite of an elite offense. So talk about <laughs> your season and, and uh, how it's gone so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because the tumult that the season has been leading into it. So the former athletic director, as he departed and was – basically forced out the door, Gary Barta. He put in this basically a drive to 325 is what we called it. As Iowa had to average 25 points per game for Brian Ferentz to have his contract renewed, the offensive coordinator. It was a long time coming. It was certainly a guy in Brian Ferentz had never had any play calling duties. There was never anything in his past that showed that he would be any kind of play caller. I was dead set against it from the get go. And uh, was very outright in my thinking of that and have been proven right, and though things have been okay, you know, after the first year, his second and third years were okay offensively. It still felt like Iowa left a lot, and you know that's the part when you look at kind of this whole thing in its totality. Is oh, Iowa seven and two? They're in control of the division once again this year, yeah. and you should be happy with that, right? But when I look back at this past seven years for Iowa, even if they get to Indianapolis this year. For me, it's still what could have been because I was always been good defensively, you know, during the Ferentz era. It's something that they've always been some very solid, but they've gone from always a really good defense to an elite defense and special teams, good special teams to elite special teams. And if you just had a competent offense during these last seven years, what more could have been there? They're in the top 10 in the country in terms of victories during that time of period. But you have the big wins against Michigan, against Ohio State, against Penn State. They've had those wins. But the consistency just has not been there. And that's what I continue to go back on. And, and it's cratered the last two years, including this year. The injuries have been really a big story also this year, where not many people were happy about Brian Fairness coming back for another season. But with the addition of Cade McNamara at the quarterback position, you bring in Eric Hall, you have two elite-level tight ends, an offensive line that was finally veteran for the first time in three years coming back this year, a couple of wide receivers coming. Like, it felt like the offense was at least going to be okay. Not
0: even close, though. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, your current injury situation. Obviously, you've got Cade McNamara out for the year, Eric All out for the year. Your number two tight end, whose name escapes me, I believe is out for the season. Uh, your wide receiver one, Deontay Vines, is banged up. you got four offensive linemen banged up. Who is out? Who is in for this game? Just run through the, the walking wounded you guys got.
1: Yeah, so McNamara tore an ACL. He's out for the year. He got injured right before the season a couple weeks in the only open practice that we get in the preseason on kids' day. So he got hurt in that one and then tore his ACL in the fourth game of the season. So quarterback has been different. That's been definitely a rough one. Um, The tight end position, Luke Lachey, his dad, former uh, Ohio State. In fact, he's the uh, radio guy for Ohio State. Really great player back in the day for them. Played in the NFL for a long time. Lachey was trending that direction along with Derek Hall. And then he mentioned the offensive line. And this offensive line has been better this year, still not very good and not up to the standard that I was built themselves on in the last 25 years. But it was definitely a piece that this offensive line now that wasn't very good, now it's banged up on top of it. Mason Richmond's our left tackle. He's been banged up basically all year he exited the game came back in gave up a sack and a strip bumble against northwestern a week ago uh their center logan jones who've been playing at a high level this year he had a concussion uh we'll see concussions as we know you don't really can't really read any anything into it until we get to the game on saturday so you have that component rusty feth one of another transfer that they got from of ohio he got banged up in the game and they were so wounded He had to come back in the game, even though he could tell he was not right. So we'll see what they look like up front. But it's an incredibly scary situation, a team that struggles so much as it is offensively. and hasn't been certainly a great offensive line as banged up as they are.
0: I like to do a deep dive on every team that we play in terms of look at where they rank amongst college football teams. Oh, no. Do we we have to do this, Mike? I don't, I'm not going to do it all, but you guys are in the bottom five in a lot of categories. Is it as hard to watch as it looks like from the stats on offense? Uh,
1: it's worse. It really is, worse? and, and okay. this is not this is not being flippant or anything like that. It, it's just the reality. If you don't cheer for the black and gold, or cover the team and, and work at it in that kind of capacity. So last week at Wrigley, uh, I had one of my clients was out there, sportsbook operator, Circa. People who know Las Vegas know Circa, the biggest sports book in the world, and they have a sportsbook here in Iowa. So I had a bunch of people there. And as we're sitting in the rooftop and having a good time and having our drinks and the people that don't watch Iowa on a weekly basis or are at the biggest sports book in the world and are able to say, oh, yeah, well, I can just watch another game they could not believe that we have to watch this garbage week after week <laughs> after week. And, you know, when McNamara was out there, even when he wasn't completely healthy, you could see at least a semblance of something offensively. Now with Deacon Hill at the quarterback position, he can't throw the football. I have never, never seen a quarterback play this poorly before. I call high school football in the state of Iowa. I have for the last 20 years. I watch a lot of high school games and sometimes they get out of hand. I've never seen a quarterback this bad. That's Wow. He, has a, he has a super strong arm. There is no accuracy. There is no touch. And it is just, it is as bad as you could imagine. You think, boy, look at these numbers. Is it as bad as it looks? It's worse. That's how bad it is right now.
0: Well, I had a few stats I wanted to even go over. Like, you guys are fourth in penalties per game as a team. That's more of a team stat. But then I saw yep. your seventh in red zone offense, which is great. But then you dive deeper into it and you guys have the lowest touchdown percentage rate in the uh, in the red zone, and you have the highest field goal percentage rate. Obviously, you have a great kicker, but is are you guys just having no success punching the ball in when it's down in the red zone?
1: That's been something that's been a story of the Brian Ferencz era. And outside of the year that he had, T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant, two NFL tight ends, two guys that were first-round NFL tight ends playing together, that was the only year they've been okay there. He, he – he doesn't know how to actually coordinate an offense, and you see that in mm-hmm. and the red zone deficiencies is something that has been a conversation for the whole course of his career. So, yeah, that doesn't come as a surprise when you see those numbers. And yeah, I, I the route tree combinations are something that I, I think were more complicated for me running in the in the uh, power wing formation that we ran in junior high. Than what they're doing here is just there's no semblance of what they're trying to do in the passing game. And it definitely shows up there when you look at those red zone numbers.
0: Yeah. One thing yeah. I didn't notice. Mike, guys Mike,
1: did one, guys... one more quick thing on that. It just popped in sure. my head as I was saying it last year. Uh, they sucked again in the red zone last year. And uh, <laughs> there was something where throughout, I think the first 10 games of the season, they had not thrown a pass into the end zone. Think of that. Wow. 10 games. That's they had wild. not thrown a pass into the end zone that's what we're dealing
0: with here in Iowa. So everything that you guys scored in the first 10 games was either rushing touchdowns, special teams, defensive touchdown. It was not through the air. That is, that is wild. Rutgers kind of have a, had a similar situation the last few years where the offense really held the team back. They've gotten a little bit better this year. Um, you guys had a, a, a duo of pretty good running backs though, Sean Williams and Caleb Johnson. Uh, what, what's the, the scuttlebutt going on with Caleb Johnson? I know he didn't play last week. Is that a disciplinary thing? Is he injured? What's, what's going on there? So what it sounds like
1: is last week he was ill, he was sick, and maybe the coaches thought he still could have been around practicing during the illness. Now Mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation. Is he as good as gone and getting ready to enter the transfer portal when that opens up in early December? There's that speculation, but he was not injured. He was on the bike. He was trying to keep his legs warm, just didn't get in there. Uh, Kirk Ferentz afterwards called it a coach's decision and doubled down on that in his Tuesday press conference. So that's what it is. Caleb Johnson's our most talented running back. He is built in a way that Iowa does not have guys that are a 5'11, 2'20, sculpted, has the speed combination. He had a touchdown run a year ago against Nevada that was one of the fastest speeds for a running back in the country a year ago. Top end speed. He has the full package. And they have three really solid running backs, but there's no doubt. The most talented is Caleb Johnson, and for an offense that is this bad to just throw the baby out with the bathwater because maybe <laughs> you thought he could have practiced when he was sick. Uh, but that's Iowa football, and that's where we are right now.
0: So I'll stop the torture. Let's talk about your defense. Any unit right. that would have lost three All-American-level players in Lucas Van Ness, Jack Campbell, and Riley Moss would probably take a big step back. Total opposite for you guys. Obviously, you return an All-American in Cooper DeJean. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but it seems like you guys just had, you know, a total like one to one replacement for Jack Campbell and Jay Higgins. You got incredible interior defensive linemen. You got really good safeties. You know, what? Where, where do you put the credit for how this defense was able to just like not only like keep momentum going forward, but seemingly like get even better after losing so many studs?
1: It's crazy to think and, and really this is something that they have just continued to build on at the beginning through from the beginning of the year. In The first month of the season, they were still fine. You know, this was still a pretty good defense, but it was just not up to the standard that Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator, had built over the last few years. They had gone up to such a level and they were for Iowa standards, definitely pretty average early on in the year. Jay Higgins, though, has been the consistent. And remember seeing Jay early in his career? He was just a guy, right, playing special teams. He played late in the games at linebacker. Didn't look like he had the speed probably necessary to, to be an impact kind of player. He got thrust into the role a year ago. Justin Jacobs got injured, who's now at Oregon, really talented linebacker. He went in there, and all of a sudden you see him play a little bit, and, oh, maybe he got something here. But to anybody to think that he was going to put together this kind of season, a second in, in the NCAA in tackles, he's sideline to sideline. He is all over the place. He's making all the right calls. He's doing everything you want from a middle linebacker. And then his uh, mate on the outside is Nick Jackson. Nick Jackson was, through the transfer portal of Virginia kid, racked up three straight 100 tackle seasons with the, with the Cavs, but he was a middle linebacker, and they had to shift him outside. He struggled early in the year. There's still times you can see – He's a middle linebacker playing outside. It speeds okay. I wouldn't put it at an elite level, certainly, but he's really come on there, and it's just the rest of the defense, the way that this team has played. We game in and game out now, the, the building that they have made, the improvements that you see every single time. Xavier Wampas, is probably probably you know most talented guy coming out of high school. It's a rare five-star that they got, and he's playing with a wrist injury. We don't know exactly what it is or a hand injury. He's got a big cast on there. But he's still continuing to play much better as the season's gone on. You mentioned Dejean on one side who is an All-American. And then you couple it with Jamari Harris that gets picked on a little bit more because he got Cooper Dejean on the other side. But Jamari Harris is a really talented player in his own right. It's just top to bottom, 1 through 11, a really good defense. And that's what Phil Parker puts on the field every single year.
0: So the highest rated guy, according to PFF, you guys have on your defense. Surprised me a bit because I haven't really heard much about him. Sebastian Castro. Tell us about him. He's the number three ranked corner. He's got a ninety point one grade. He's got three picks on the year. Is he a guy that kind of emerged out of nowhere?
1: Yeah. Another guy that we saw play a little bit a year ago. So he took over the cash position, which I will evolve this about five, six years ago. And instead of running their traditional four-three, you know, in fact, I was just uh, talking to a client a little bit earlier about this. Is I remember a game back in 0-6 against Ohio State, and Anthony Gonzalez, their great slot receiver, felt like had 17 catches in a game because we had a linebacker <laughs> guarding him. And, and with the evolution of football, Phil Parker, and this is something that the defensive staff does that apparently doesn't work for the offensive side, as he knew they had to evolve. So instead of being a four-three team, we're basically going to be a four-two-five, and that cash position. They've had a couple of. Different guys that have done it. Amadi Hooker, you see him playing right now for the Tennessee Titans. He's had a really nice career. He was the first one that kind of took over in that full-time role. Dane Belton, who now plays for the Giants, he took over. Two different kind of guys. Castro was more outside safety, I guess. In that role is how you'd put him. And it's funny because PFF has him listed as a cornerback. He's not close to a cornerback. I mean, this is a big no. safety is really what he is, okay. and, and I see the same numbers that you do, and but he can make plays, he is a hard hitter though, his physicality is what sets him apart, and, and in terms of this new position over the last six years, he is definitely the most physical of the guys, had to pick six against Iowa State that put that game away on the road earlier this season, he's a really, really good player, Chicago suburban kid that they got, kind of one of those recruits you looked at, not a bunch of big offers, you know, they beat Mac teams in like Illinois for him, and all of a sudden he's out there and playing at an all-American level this season, and and that's what the Iowa defense does.
0: Yeah, you guys, some the metrics for the defense. I will mention these because they're not as depressing. Fourth in scoring defense, seventeenth <laughs> in total defense, fifth in defensive passing efficiency, sixth in red zone defense. It seems like you obviously you guys have a great defense, but it seems like you guys don't really create a ton of splash plays don't have a ton of sacks you don't force a ton of turnovers I know you're on a several game turnoverless streak is that a good read on the defense you guys just kind of like stop everything but don't really make that like big sack on fourth down third down or you know get that big interception
1: yeah it's been a big talking point this year and in fact I mentioned the first month of the season where they were not playing up to the Iowa standard defensively and the defensive line got together. And since then they played at a much higher level, but they have not been forcing the turnovers that they normally do. And that's been really the great equalizer for Iowa throughout the years is their ability to generate turnovers. And that has not happened. They have not got to the quarterback at the same level. You'll see Phil Parker because of that dial up more pressure than he normally does. Their, uh, their blitz rate is a lot higher than it is in most seasons where sometimes they're down in the teens, usually around the 20% mark and that's upward towards uh, 30, percent mark this season so they're dialing up more pressure this season than they normally do and I think that's a reason that the defensive line has not been able to get to the quarterback but stout against the run they've been really good there and I think they're fine putting some guys on islands because they believe in their coverage abilities so yeah it's fair to say this Iowa defense is still really good but the one thing they're not as good as they normally are is generating both the sacks and the turnovers that we've grown accustomed to.
0: And normally I don't spend a ton of time talking special teams, but I feel like Iowa warrants it. Arguably the best punter in the nation in Torrey Taylor, arguably the best kicker in the nation in Drew Stevens. You have an all-American level punt returner, kick returner in Cooper DeJean. Talk about how you know, how big of a component special teams is to Iowa's success this year. It's huge, and LeVar Woods
1: is somebody that a lot of people are clamoring whenever Kurt Ferris decides to retire to become the head coach. He is a guy that played at Iowa, played in the NFL for a long time, and he took over as the full-time special teams coordinator about seven, eight years ago, kind of thrust down to the scene. They had some trick plays in there. They got people excited. They had a fake field goal attempt. They got people all riled up, and they've always had these kind of gadgety type of plays. That hasn't been as prevalent lately, but what you've seen – Coverage units every single year, outstanding. And I know you guys' kick return numbers for Rutgers have been really good this year. That's something that you just don't even worry about with Iowa and what they've been able to do in terms of the coverage units. You couple that with they've had a couple of punt blocks this year. and Then you mentioned the specialists. And Torrey Taylor had a bad game for him last week. He's still incredibly good. And not just good with a powerful leg. And you guys remember that from a couple of years back. And the punter that you oh, guys yeah. had. The punt off. We had, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the all-season right. showdown. Yep. Yeah. But uh, his ability, it's one thing to have a powerful leg. His ability to pin teams inside the 10, inside the five-yard line, is a sight to behold. I have never seen a punter anything close to that. I grew up watching Reggie Roby for Iowa and then, of course, went on to have a super-long NFL career. And he was a game-changer just because of the power of his punt. But the power coupled with the accuracy of Tory Taylor is something great. And then Drew Stevens, you know, this kid that showed up a couple years ago, 150 pounds soaking wet, you're like, is this kid even going to be able to kick a 45-yarder? Hits the 53-yarder to win the game last week against Northwestern. He, he's had kicks this year, 50-plus. He had one against Michigan State. The thing was two-thirds of the way up the net, it was a 53-yarder. I mean, he's just got wow. a monster leg. He has transformed his body. He's now 190 pounds. He is physically big for a kicker compared to what he was when he showed up. He is an impactful player, and, and it's crazy. He has four misses this year. But I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have confidence. And in the big moments, that's when he's been at his best. If there's a pressure kick, you have a lot of confidence in Drew Stevens.
0: Yeah, and you guys almost had a a, a game-winning touchdown. I know it was a, a controversial play at the end of the Minnesota game. You just saw how dangerous Cooper is as a punt returner. Has he been helping flip the field as well on the opposite end? Is he just returning every kick, at least, you know, serviceably?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's really good at that. And, you know, we see this a lot with punt returners right across college football, even the NFL. You see the guys that let it bounce. He's done a really good job of not allowing that to happen. If it's you know, a team that's going to be short, cut, punting it short, he's been really good at be, about being able to get up there and do that. Their kick returner in Wetchin is also really fast. But back to Dejean. Um, yes, it was called back because of a stupid, stupid penalty against Minnesota. His short area quickness, Cooper Dejean, is something that. It just, I've never seen anything like it before. We've had a ton of NFL defensive backs. We've had great returners. Tim Dwight back in the '90s was one of the best yep. returners in all the game. His short, short area quickness, though, ability to change speed and just accelerate, is unlike anything that I've seen before. So he is he is fun to watch, and I will put him out there for a couple of plays offensively last week against Northwestern. First time, carried for an eight-yard gain. Then he was a decoy on a fake play, and then ran it up the middle for five more. 13 yards in two plays. I mean, that, that is a godsend for this Iowa team. We'll see if they open it up a little bit more. He was a high school quarterback. He played a small school in western Iowa, um, and he was a quarterback there and just ran around and made plays. If they have something, maybe a wildcat type thing, where he has an ability to throw the football, maybe Iowa can steal a play and you know be able to pick up a chunk play, something that's tough to do against this Rutgers defense, as we know, and something that definitely the Iowa offense needs.
0: Yeah, I saw he played a few offensive snaps last week, and that caught my eye because you know, it doesn't uh, to introduce that kind of stuff midway through the season just does uh, very hard to deal with as a coach because you don't really get much film on it. So that'll be interesting. Uh, it sounds like you expect a little bit more of that this week. Uh, fill out, finish the sentence for me. Rutgers wins Saturday if
1: if the Iowa offense stinks as I anticipate that it will. Uh, the passing game is an absolute non-starter. They can't do anything in the passing game. And because of that, I certainly don't have optimism. I was been finding ways to steal wins. This is the most talented team that I was going to play. Well, going back to the Penn state game and going forward Rutgers is, I don't think even close the most talented team that they are going to face. And though the defense will play well, the special teams will play well. This offense is just so bad. And so inept. coupled with the offensive line injuries, I could not envision a scenario where Iowa would gets over 150, 160 yards of total offense. That's where we are right now. It's that simple. Rutgers doesn't make a mistake. They win this football game.
0: All right. With that said, let's hear your prediction. How do you see this game getting played, getting out, on played out on Saturday?
1: I got Rutgers winning at it 13-3. It's going to be low-scoring slugfest. We'll, we'll give them a late field goal that puts it away. Clinging to a 10-3 lead, a late field goal puts it away. But, yeah, I got Rutgers winning at 13-3. And the Boo Birds will be out in Kinnick Stadium, though we got what we wanted in a firing of Brian Ferentz. He's still sticking around, so he'll be able to hear it another time for the Kinnick faithful.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with 17-13 personally. I, I think I'm giving you Boy, guys a, a little bit more credit. It, it's a lot of points, but you guys have such a stud at kicker. I, you know, Neither of our teams are uh, are against turning the ball over in really inopportune yeah. situations. We've lost three. We've had uh, all three of our losses. We've got a pick six, go the opposite way, that turned the game. So that's definitely in the cards possibly, so... Uh, as long as we don't make any mistakes, I think we do find a way to win, but that's always out there for the taking. Uh, Trent, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. you got to hop off. Yeah. So where can the people find your work?
1: Yeah, I uh, host a daily radio show here in Des Moines in uh, Iowa on KXNO. I'm on Middays 11 to 1 where you can catch it. It's called Miller and Con and we talk a lot of college football. We talk a lot of just sports in general. We don't do a whole lot of the guide talk. We are the hardcore uh, sports guys on our station. We don't do a whole lot of that and a whole lot of gambling talk. And then each and every day, talking Hawkeyes on Locked On Hawkeyes is where you can find me there. Each and every weekday, talking that. And I'll be on right after the game with an instant reaction podcast.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, for me and Richie's normally here, but he's not here. He's on vacation. Uh, this has been another edition of the Night Report podcast. Signing Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform.